welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. For more information about our faith community, feel free to visit gatewaychurch.org.nz. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this message. Good morning and welcome along to Gateway this morning. So thrilled that you're here with us. If you're visiting, as Jay said, we warmly welcome you. If you're a regular, glad you're back. This is uh, the, we, we finished last week our summer series, and so in some senses, for me at least, this is kind of uh, the beginning of, of my preaching year, and at the beginning of the year, many, many pastors take the opportunity to speak to the life of their particular faith community, and will often use these kind of first weeks to speak to issues like vision and direction uh, and, and so on. Um, I have done that in times past. I actually haven't done it for four years. The last time I did it was 2014. It might seem to some of you that, well, I'm sure it was later than that. I'm sure you've done it, you know. Actually, I checked the records. It was 2014. Um, And I felt like it would be a really good time just to go back over some basic areas for us. Uh, Many of you, if you're regular here, will have heard this talk before, some of you many times. If you happen to have read my book, Water Under the Bridge, you'll also be very familiar with what I'm going to say this morning. Uh, I'm unapologetic about the repetition. The repetition isn't simply just a result of accumulating years. Um, You know, the poor guy, he's forgotten actually that he's said this before. Um, It's very, very deliberate. The reality is we need repetition. G.K. Chesterton, the great English wit and Christian, once commented that if you want a white fence, then regularly you have to repristinate it, he said. Otherwise, you'll end up over time with a gray one and ultimately a black one. So what I'm doing this morning is repristinating some ideas so that we keep our fence white. It's probably a little bit like learning your times table. You know, you just learn it until it's imprinted deep and you respond without even kind of thinking. Now, before I go into what I want to tell you about, I do need to acknowledge or perhaps more rightfully confess that what I'm about to say is our ideal. I'm not under the illusion that we realize it all the time, but it is the ideal that we strive for. Uh, I think it was Derek Prince who once commented, there are two things, the actual and the ideal. To be mature is to see the ideal and yet live with the actual. To fail is to accept the actual and reject the ideal. To be immature is to accept only the ideal and refuse the actual. Don't criticize the actual because you have seen the ideal. Don't reject the ideal because you have seen the actual. Maturity is to live with the actual and hold to the ideal. Okay, so what I'm suggesting to you this morning is, uh, um, is our, uh, it's our ideal, it's what we strive for. Now, in order to explain kind of our philosophy of ministry here at Gateway Church, I want to enlist the help of a couple of metaphors. I'm sure you are familiar with English and you remember what a, a metaphor is, but just in case you're thinking, well, remind me, repristinate that for me. Um, it's taking one thing to describe something else. Um, 
something that it's not literally applicable to. It's, it's kind of an, an analogy. For example, I might say, he drowned in a sea of grief, or she is the apple of his eye, or perhaps he went on a roller coaster of emotions. So the metaphor creates a picture that can be sometimes very memorable, extremely powerful. Uh, Aristotle once wrote in his famous work, Poetics, the most important thing is to have a command of metaphor. And a number of years ago, I borrowed a metaphor from an author that I found incredibly helpful in thinking about church life. The author was Daniel Brown. Um, Daniel comes to Gateway with regularity and again will be here later in the year. But in his book, The Other Side of Pastoral Ministry, he talked about churches being like either lakes or rivers. And the metaphor that he used really helped me clarify my thinking about Gateway, and I've used it many times since. Basically, between lakes and rivers, there are some significant similarities. Both, of course, can provide scenic beauty. Both are made up essentially of the same stuff, a la water. And uh, if you want to photograph them or paint them, either one, a lake or a river, would provide plenty of promising raw material. You can swim, boat, and fish in either a lake or a river. But beyond the superficial similarities, however, they are quite different. Lakes are essentially static. They, they are somewhat limited in what they can do. They either enlarge, grow larger, or they shrink in size, basically depending on the climatic conditions. So they get larger or smaller. Rivers, however, are much more in process. They have an origin, the headwaters, and they have an end point, the mouth of the river where it discharges into the sea. They can cover large amounts of territory, and can change very significantly at different parts of their journey, from deep and wide and slow moving at one point to relatively shallow, narrow, and turbulent at another. Rivers have momentum. They're able to provide transport for uh, people, and their energy can be harnessed to create electric power. Now, using this metaphorical thinking, it's relatively easy to classify churches as either lakes or rivers when it comes to their philosophy. Perhaps like some of you, I've been in churches that have been dominated largely by lake thinking. In those churches, our folk our focus was centered primarily on numerical growth. So the questions we asked were, are our numbers growing or are they shrinking? Is our budget growing or shrinking? Is our influence growing or shrinking? And in those churches, we tended to measure our success by how many people were in the lake, how many heads we could count in the water, how many people attended our services, that program, that event, the home groups. I think, looking back, we often assumed, mistakenly in my view, that the more people, the more time people spent in the water, a la the more they attended the program, the more maturity they would develop. What we failed to note, however, was that a lake didn't have a current. It's largely static. In a lake, people can get into the water, swim about, and emerge at exactly the same point they entered the water. Merely attending a program is not a guarantee of maturity. People can and do get into programs and out of programs at exactly the same point without any change actually occurring. 
When, when church growth is the main driver of church thinking and philosophy, then my suspicion is that we are guilty of thinking in terms of lake philosophy. River philosophy is very different. When you swim in a river, you don't anticipate getting in and out at the same place. The current in a river is going to affect you significantly. Uh, I remember when we were kids, we lived uh, very near what, was, uh, what is the Rangitiki River, and one of our favorite summertime uh, exercises was going down, jumping into the river and just floating downstream, way downstream. We, then we would get out and repeat the process. We knew that the current was going to take us somewhere. Churches that are river thinking in their philosophies think not in terms of just growing or shrinking, but think in terms of transformation. So the key thinking is not how many people are in the water, but rather how far can we take the people that are in the water? How far downstream can we take them? And we want you to know that if you come to Gateway, up front, unapologetically, we have a current that we are seeking to get you into and intend to take you somewhere. Now, obviously, we can't force that on you, and uh, neither do we wish to. You can get in and out of the river actually at the same spot if you want to, but in order to do that, you will have to swim against the current. In the analogy we're using, we tend to think of the current as our direction, our priorities, uh, it's, it's where we want to take you. And here at Gateway, there are five priorities that drive our thinking. And I want to take you through them. Number one, we want people who come to Gateway Church to develop and deepen a relationship with God. Now, you might go, oh, duh. I mean, what do you think we come for? That's so obvious it seems silly to even say it. However, the sad reality is that some churches aren't even sure that God exists. And if she does, or he does, um, they don't know whether he or she can be known. There are a lot of places where you go to church and the main thrust of the gathering is about the people that you are gathering with and the business connections that you might make. Seriously, there are all kinds of reasons people come to church. And the obvious one is often not on the list. We want people who come to Gateway to be connected with God, to develop a deepened relationship with Him. It's that idea and that current that undergirds all that we do. The second thing, and I, you know, I'd love to unpack these, we just simply don't have the time, but the second thing is we seek to develop a people who are growing in their responsiveness in terms of learning to be a people of praise, of thanksgiving, of worship toward God. You know, Psalm 92 starts off and says, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. And the idea in the Hebrew is it's an appropriate thing. It's the, it's the right thing to do. It's the comely thing to do. Praise, worship, gratitude, thanksgiving are, are, are appropriate. Firstly, for us as creatures to offer to our creator. And then secondly, as redeemed people offering to our redeemer. It's why we gather. It's why we structure the services the way we structure them, starting with a time of worship, inviting you to engage with God, finishing with worship, not just, well, that's the only way we know how to close the surface. We are trying to get people to be engaged in a life of responsive 
worship, and gratitude. Thirdly, we are seeking to develop a people who are growing in their knowledge of and obedience to the Word of God. You know, through the early centuries, Christians were known as the people of the book. Their lives were governed by the teaching and truths of the Bible. And I have a profound, deep conviction that Christianity will only be as strong as people's commitment to the Word of God. When that dwindles, faith and practice dwindle with it. In our culture uh, of expressive individualism, People, including many Christians, are taking portions of the Word of God and saying, well, you know what, I'm going to, I just, I cannot understand why God would say that. So we put it on the shelf and we become the arbitrators of what is and is not appropriate. As followers of Jesus, we do not judge the Word, we allow the Word to judge and shape us. It's the reason why we give extended time in our gatherings to teaching the, the contents of the Bible. We are committed to the Scriptures. Number four, we want people to develop, uh, a, a people who are developing and growing in their ability to recognize and to respond to the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just an impersonal force like magnetism or electricity. He's the third person of the Trinity who comes to dwell within us and seeks to lead us into what Jesus described as all truth. And it's our desire and hopefully our practice to give him an appropriate acknowledgement and to allow space for him to move among us corporately and in us individually. Number five, we believe that God has gifted every Christian for some dimension of ministry or service, and it's our joint responsibility, yours and ours as leaders here at Gateway, to identify, to train, to deploy that giftedness for the purpose of advancing the kingdom of God. We believe you're gifted, and you've heard me say this before, I'm sure, but when you come to Gateway, the idea is not that you find out what my vision is so you can decide whether you want to uh, support it by attending or paying. You come here and it's our desire to understand what God has put in your heart and do the very best we can by uh, these other things that I've mentioned to bring you to a place where your dream comes to pass. We aren't bringing you as a community together to hear a dreamer's dreams. We are bringing you together as a community so dreamers can have dreams and be what God has called them to be, that we're committed to that. Now, I'm sure some of you who are listening, you might have an area of Christian service that's profoundly on your heart. You might be thinking of missions or prayer or evangelism, and you're saying, Don, you haven't even mentioned those things. Surely you would have in your list of priority these kinds of things. Well, I, I think, um, you know, you're possibly right. However, if we put all the things in the list, you know, of priorities that would be possible, we'd have a list of 30 things. And, you know, when you see a list of 30 priorities, um, just goes completely over your head. I've been in churches where they list their priorities, and it goes down the board and down the board and down the board, and they mention every possible Christian ministry they could, and I just got tired reading it. 
Number four, sorry, number five actually encompasses those areas. You might have a dream for missions. You might have a dream for evangelism or intercession or hospitality. It's included in that sense of that's the dream in your heart. Our desire is to throw you into gateways current so that that desire, that dream can actually come to pass. So those five things constitute our gateway current. And if you hang around here, we will be tugging at your sleeve. We will be pushing you in the back. We will be doing everything short of booting you in the rear end to get you to move toward those things. Okay, those are the five things that drive us. In keeping with that river analogy, every, every river has its banks, which direct and define its flow. Without banks the river can overflow and instead of being a productive force in the nation's economy, it can become incredibly uh, destructive. Instead of providing you with power for your house, it can wash your house away. Instead of irrigating your fields, it can swamp them and destroy your crops. So having well-defined banks that keep the river in its flow is incredibly important. Where we want to take you, we've called our priorities. The banks that will ensure we get there in a healthy way, we call our values. So our values here direct and define the flow of our priorities. And their purpose is to ensure that the flow is kept constructive, positive, and healthy. Um, again, I've been in churches, and possibly some of you have too, where goals are prioritized without necessarily being uh, contained within a clearly defined value set, where goals are pursued and there aren't any values, you actually have a recipe for abuse. And I have watched church leaders driven by numerical goals, perhaps become ethically shabby, relationally abusive, uh, quite destructive in order to achieve those targets. And the irony is, in order to, what, to reach what we think are godly goals, we become distinctly ungodly in our behavior. So in order to try and prevent that happening here at Gateway, we have a well-defined ethos consisting of clearly articulated values. Let me remind you of what they are. If you're regular, I hope you know them. If you're not, then listen up, because this is, what, uh, this is, this is how we seek to, to function. So number one, we insist on the value of people. And again, you might go, come on, Tom, that should be, you shouldn't even need to say that. Well, I shouldn't, but the reality is you do need to say it. It might seem like a silly thing to say. But again, I've been part of churches where people are the means to the end, the end being the notoriety of, of the leadership. If we have a big congregation, of course, you get pushed up the triangle of influence, and so the people coming simply become the means to the end. People become cannon fodder for the institutional goals. They can be regarded as disposable commodities that can be used rather than precious people to be served. Their time, their energy, their money is harnessed all with the goal of reaching this place of notoriety. And we, we want to just say at Right at the outset, we, we try desperately not to, to function like that. We want to value people. 
Prophet Jeremiah had some chilling word for Christian leaders who have fallen into that mindset of using people rather than seeking to serve them. In Jeremiah 22 verse 13 in the message translation it says, doomed to him who builds palaces but bullies people, who makes a fine house but destroys lives. I think it was Brennan Manning who once said, whenever religion shows contempt for or disregards the rights of persons, even under the noblest of pretexts, it draws people away from the reality of God. They are sobering words for church leaders. You know, when Caiaphas, the high priest in Jesus' time, said it was needful for Jesus to die for the sake of the nation and the temple, his religion had left the realm of respect and value for people. His concerns in that instance were motivated by the need to keep the religious machine well-oiled and running. It was the procedures of religion, the temple, the structures, the liturgies, the abstractions that had preeminence in his thinking. And he was willing to sacrifice people, in this case a person, to ensure the survival of those religious abstractions. When we do that, we've lost the plot. We've missed the point. We've misunderstood the means and the ends. It's a classic case of getting it round the wrong way. God's supreme passion is people. Jesus died for people. The church is about people. Any endeavor that bears his name must hold the value of people in the highest place. People are to be loved and served. That's our ideal. We strive for that. Now, one of the nuances of that value is that we will seek to treat you as adults and not children. Um, we want Gateway to be a learning culture, not simply a telling culture. We will attempt to teach the scriptures as we understand them with as much conviction and passion as we can muster. But we say to you, you have to be like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, who heard Paul preach, and every day they searched the scriptures with all readiness to find out if the things that he said were actually so. So you have to choose to be mature. You have to choose to be a responsible disciple of Jesus Christ. It cannot be forced on you even from the, most, um, from the best of motivations. I have seen and heard pastors say, I know that this is a little bit brutal, it's a little bit of a blunt instrument, but they need it. They need to be pushed along. I remember talking to one pastor one time and just saying, look, stop pushing people. Stop, stop doing that because they, they want to go in the right direction. You cannot force goodness on them from the outside. You know, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the law cannot perfect people. Now, it wasn't that the law was inadequate. The law was righteous and true and holy, Paul said. But the reality is an external imposition on people's hearts doesn't work. You cannot change people by putting the law as an external imposition on them. It has to come from inside. It has to come from inside you. Okay, it's not my responsibility nor the leaders here to force you into some kind of mold. The idea is to guide, to instruct, to encourage, to inspire, but for you to rise up on the inside and say, I want to be everything that God wants me to be. We here at Gateway are shepherds. We are not policemen. 
We will encourage, we'll exhort, and if necessary, reprove you if we see you being self-destructive or abusive in the light of, of life of the community. But truly, it's your choice in terms of how you participate in the life of this community and in the services we provide. All I can say to you is choose well and wisely. Number two, okay, so number one, we value people. Number two, we value integrity. By that, I mean, I'd love to preach on that, and maybe I will again sometime soon, but integrity basically is that, that inner openness to being led by the Spirit of the Lord, a, a tenderness to respond to all that He is speaking to you about. It's, it's not putting on a mask, but it's being absolutely open. It's not hiding things in the folds of the material of your life, but it's stretching it out so everything can be seen, including the flaws. So when we say we value integrity, what we want to say to you is what you see is what you get, okay? Um, We won't play games with you. We will seek to be truthful and transparent in our dealings with you. We won't communicate communicate to you in a way that leaves you guessing about our motivations and our goals. No half-truths, no innuendos. What you see is what you get, okay? I think I've said this before, but you know one of the kindest things anybody has ever said to me, I mean, people have been very kind to Karen and I over the years here at Gateway, and we're very grateful for all of the encouragement you've given us. One, one occasion stands out, and actually it was an occasion that wasn't even intended for my ears, I'd been on a missions trip, and I'd taken a group of guys with me, and uh, we'd we'd arrived back, and I I was walking up. It was the break in the service, and I was going up to get a glass of water just before I came to preach, and one of the guys who'd been on the trip was in front of me, and his friend was standing beside beside him, and they didn't know I was behind them, and the one guy said to the other, so what's Don really like? And I thought, nah, I don't know whether I want to hear this. And the guy, the other guy said, and he, you know, as I said, he didn't know I was listening, and he just said, what you see is what you get. He's exactly the same in private as he is in public, just no difference. And I want to tell you, it was one of the things that moved me most, of all of the uh, nice things that have been said, that one moved me deeply, because it's one of my deep values, you know, if you, um, just what you see is what you get. We're not trying to promote anything or project anything. If you don't like what you see, you won't like it in any other sense because there's no difference. Number three, we value authenticity. It's similar to the last one. In fact, all of these values kind of interweave with one another, a bit like the colors of the rainbow, to be truthful. But um, with authenticity, that's about seeking to avoid a culture of pretense. Uh, I, I think too often over the years we've spent time and, and energy trying to, to look good, trying to create a, an atmosphere of excellence. It's, it's one of the buzzwords of the church, uh, you know, that, that I've watched over probably the last couple of decades where people talk about the need for excellence in, in our services or in, in the, uh, you know, in the public gatherings. And, and I'm not necessarily uh, advocating mediocrity, okay? I say, look, do the very best you can. But the thing that sometimes bothers me, and I've talked to this with Uh, about this with many leaders, I've talked about the fact that where excellence is simply image, then we've missed the plot. Where excellence is 
an extension of actually who you are, then that is fantastic. But when it's a, a substitute for who you are, that is not so good. And I've watched a lot of so-called excellence be nothing more than image, and that bothers me profoundly. I've been to churches where uh, I was in a church in the States. We pulled up in the car park. Actually, Chris was with me. We no sooner got out of the car park and somebody was on us shaking hands. Welcome. Glad you're here. You know, it's kind of, oh, it's kind of nice, you know. Walked about 10 steps and got ambushed by the next person. And between the car park and the auditorium, we must have been welcomed by, I don't know, seven, eight people. And then there were more, more people inside welcoming us. Now, you'd say, well, Don, you know, are you anti social, does that bother you? Don't ask that question, all right? Just, just. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was kind of nice in a way, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't offended by it, but, but I, I, and I don't know that this is true of this church, I was, it's just, it just made me think. It made me wonder, obviously these people had been programmed they were on for that week to be the greeters. And again, I don't have any problem with that. We have greeters. But when you replace a genuine value of warmth and welcome in a congregation by a set of people who do that job for the rest of us who can be antisocial, something's wrong. Something's wrong. We've got excellent greeters, but we haven't got a value of warmth and welcome that's being developed deeply and profoundly in the midst of us. I would hope that as part of this congregation, warmth and welcome would be something that you would think, that's a value. I want people who come into our community to feel like that. And you don't leave it to one or two designated people who might do it excellently, by the way. I'm, I'm talking about deep, authentic, not just, not just outward image. So we, we value authenticity. We want to create a culture that in which people aren't pretentious. Um, there aren't any hoops that you have to jump through. There isn't any special language that you have to learn. There aren't any special clothes that you have to wear to make the grade and be accepted. Again, one of the funny stories uh, in our ministry was a guy who came up to me after he'd been coming to our church for a few years, and he said, I have to confess something to you. And I said, oh, yeah, what's that? And he said, well, when we first decided to come to your church, he said, I was getting dressed that Sunday morning, and I said to my wife, I'm going to put on a suit. You watch me. They'll be all over me like a rash. The pastor will be up there shaking my hands because they'll see the suit, and they'll think, ding, 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 wealthy people. He said, so I strolled into your church, and he said, you totally ignored me. <laughs> and most of the other people did as well. So much for our greeting and our warmth and welcome, eh? <laughs> that person deserved an authentic <laughs> shoulder bath, you know, just push him aside. Uh, you don't have to do that. It's not, it's not what's required here. One, again, one of my most abiding and precious memories is leading a church in worship, looking out and seeing one guy with his three-piece suit, hands up worshipping, and right next door to him, a friend of mine who had his black shearer singlet on, hands up worshipping. Just, you know, the, the two ends of the extreme, both in one another's presence, both incredibly comfortable with who they are, both worshipping. That's the kind of congregation we would love to create. Number four, we value vulnerability. Again, that's really about being honest about the spiritual journey that we're on. And friends, there are no experts here, okay? 
Just people who have been covered by grace a bit longer than others. We're all on a spiritual journey that contains good, bad, and ugly aspects, and we need to be honest about that. There's nobody perfect here, at least the last time I looked. If you are on a search, you're a visitor here this morning, and you're on a search for the all-powerful, all-knowing pastor who has compliant children, a submissive wife, an obedient, uh, especially a submissive wife, uh, um, an obedient, devoted dog, spends hours in prayer and study all day and all night and counseling and visitation, you have not found him yet, Okay. And when you do, please let me know. I'd love to take a picture of them so I can put it on my study wall and throw darts at it. (laughs) Uh, People who know me know that I'm a bunch of paradoxes. I believe, and yet I doubt. I hope, and yet I can get discouraged. I can love, but I'm capable of the opposite emotion as well. Sometimes I feel bad about feeling good. I feel guilty about not feeling bad enough. I'm trusting, but I can be suspicious. I'm honest most of the time, but I have been known to play games with words and conceal truth. And you think, holy cows. I think you need a therapist. (laughs) Well, quite probably I do, but uh, last time I asked about one, you guys were taking all the spots and I couldn't get in. It's, it's, the, it's who we are, you know. I mean, I, I, I just say often, you know, we're saints and sinners. I remember going to a conference and the speaker got up one time and he said, good morning, saints. And we all responded, good morning. And he said, good morning, sinners. And everyone just didn't know what to do. It was just this, hey, who's going to answer that? And, and, and he did this kind of, well, you both. You know you're both, don't you? So for the rest of the conference, good morning, saints. Yeah, good morning. Good morning, sinners. Yeah, good morning. We, we got it. We're, we're a mixture of both. We're a broken place. We're a place for broken people. This isn't a mausoleum for, you know, for people that have got it all. <laughs> Mausoleum's not really the right word, is it? Um, this is a hospital, okay? This is a hospital. And it's okay at times to be bleeding. It's okay at times to be getting, you know, the kaboom, kaboom, because you're just about expiring. It's It's okay. We're all in that journey, and we're not trying to pretend that we, that we are something that we're not. So we value people, we value integrity, we value authenticity. We value vulnerability. Some of you are thinking, Don, you know, this is a, this is a bit of a PR nightmare, really. There's possibly new people here today thinking about joining Gateway, whether perhaps Gateway might be their spiritual home. What you've just said, you know, especially about your life being a bundle of paradoxes really doesn't inspire their confidence, you know, and their possible attendance and participation and, of course, their tithe. Well, you're probably right. So maybe I'll stop before I dig the hole any deeper and I'm going to invite the musicians to come now. Let me just conclude by saying we aren't all we want to be I'm not all I want to be. I suspect that you're not all you want to be. But I do know what direction I want to go in. I do know what direction we want this church current to go in. I do know that we want to limp together, bounded by a set of values towards something that I think ultimately could really honor God. And if that sounds a bit like you, then you are welcome to join 
uh, the current. You're welcome to dive in. We would love you to dive in, okay? So, oh, okay. Um, that, that's very kind of you. Um, those of you who come to Gateway will know that I often respond to applause by saying, uh, don't clap, throw money. Um, <laughs> but having just spoken about those values, I better not say that. So why don't, why don't we stand and let's worship together, shall we? Thanks for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Again, check out gatewaychurch.org.nz to find out what's going on within our church.